sometimes in order to be delivered, you have to be somewhere that you can't get out of by yourself. For example, a baby must be delivered. It can't get through that process by itself, really. A pizza has to be delivered. I'm just saying. It can't get there by itself. You know, Webster defines deliverance as the act of being delivered. Someone or something. The state of being delivered. Especially liberation or rescue. Funny thing is, I've delivered pizzas. I've delivered babies. Animals, not humans. But in the context of rescue, as a type of deliverance, I've even delivered two kids and their mom from a sinking car. Happened, I was about ninth grade. Uh, I was out in the Everglades doing some, some deer hunting, which is really like Dalmatian hunting because they're only about this big. <laughs> we didn't get any deer. We're cleaning up the boat, and this, we hear this tire screeching and the sound of a wreck, and we look up, and we see this little car sliding off the road backwards into the canal. It's about six, eight feet deep. Me and my buddy Doug went running over and jumped in. We were able to get the doors open before the car sank, and Doug got the mom out. I got the little girl out. The little boy's seatbelt wouldn't come undone, so I had to cut it off with my hunting knife. I was all like, you know, a little Rambo action. <laughs> we delivered them because we were it. It was us. They happened to be at the boat ramp where our boat was, and it was us. And had we not been there, they wouldn't have been delivered. Um, as cool as that was. And as much fun as I've had delivering pizzas and delivering baby tigers and lions and things like that, one thing I've come to realize is that no matter how hard I try, I can't deliver myself. And in case you're wondering, you can't deliver yourself either. And today, as we talk about celebrating the deliverance we have in Jesus Christ, we need to first understand that in order to be delivered from something, we have to admit that we're in over our heads. Will you pray with me? Father God, we're here today. We're worshiping. But I know, Lord, that here in this room, there's a room full of people that at some level, in some way, are in over their heads. As individuals, we're in over our heads. As we saw the skit, whether it's lies or anger or alcohol or lust or greed or whatever it is we always seem to get in over our heads and today lord i pray that you will bring that to the surface that whatever it is we're struggling with you will bring that out and as we leave here today we can leave it behind that you will deliver us from whatever it is that has us separated from you and and even as christians lord we do that we you know we get ourselves stumbled around and and we we tend to forget just how amazing and how powerful you are. So I pray that today as we talk about deliverance, that you will bring to the surface that thing in our life or those things in our lives that we need to be delivered from, and you will give us the strength to walk away from them today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, violent crime is running rampant in our nation. Uh, Numbers have been less or excuse me, have been higher in the past than they are right now as far as violent crimes go, but it's really no consolation to the parents of places like Sandy Hook Elementary or the families that were at the Boston Marathon on Patriots Day. As a nation, it seems that things continue to happen, and as a nation, we continue to grieve over this violence that has gripped our culture and robbed us of our children 
And as Christians, we grieve over a nation that has robbed itself of a God and then asks, where is he in the midst of the chaos and the hurt? It seems at these times we ask along with those people who are grieving right now, what did we do? What have we done wrong? Where did we go wrong? What can we do to stop the violence? You know, there are no quick and easy solutions to the things that are happening in our nation right now. But the reversal of our current situation, in order for that to happen, it must involve a moral and spiritual change of direction. The same thing with our personal deliverance. In order for you to stop whatever it is that's keeping you away from God, there needs to be a moral and spiritual change in your direction. There's only one cure for the violence that's plaguing our cities right now and breaking our hearts. There's only one cure for whatever it is that's keeping you down. And that is a fear of God before our eyes. When we humble our hearts before him individually and collectively, church, then and only then will peace reign in our hearts and in our cities again. Proverbs 1, 7 says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Brothers and sisters, when we submit to the Lord, then we will be able to celebrate deliverance from the things that hold us down. And so the question is today, what is it that you need to be delivered from? What is it that you need to be delivered from? If you look around the room, you'll notice the exits are a little different. The doorposts have been painted as a symbol of deliverance that took place at the first Passover. The night that God told Moses to have the Israelites make a sacrifice and paint their doorposts with the blood of the animals that they sacrificed so that the angel of the Lord would pass over their homes and their firstborn would be spared. I want to look at Exodus chapter 12. We're going to talk about the Passover lamb for a minute and we're going to get into what it means to be delivered. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the, in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Verse 5 says, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled. I don't know why you'd have to tell us that or tell them that. Uh, or with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails, and you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner. Listen to this, because we're getting into some deliverance here. You shall eat this meal. That's what he's saying. Eat it with your loins girded. And that, what that means is because they all wore long flowing outfits, they had to pull it up and tuck it into their belt. So they kind of made shorts or scorts uh, with them. <laughs> Wear it with, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. 
And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Listen, this is not some family reunion get together. This was God preparing them for the end of bondage. All right. For them and Moses. And he's telling Moses to tell the Israelites what he's about to do. He's about to take them out of hundreds of years of slavery and torment. Sometimes I wonder if they liked the the slavery they were in. You know, later on they talk about when they're in the desert, we should have stayed as slaves, we wouldn't have died. You know, the sad thing about bondage is there's comfort in the things that keep us down. And that's one of the reasons that we don't always just walk away. Why don't you just walk away from that abusive relationship? He loves me. Why don't you just walk away from alcoholism? It comforts me. It understands me. You know, sometimes deliverance is messy. Imagine what it was like. Okay, because it wasn't just like a few people from Israel. It was the whole nation of Israel. Every family at the same time at twilight, sacrificing the animals, painting the blood on the doorpost, preparing and eating the meat. This is not your typical lay back, recline at the table and enjoy your family and your company meal type dinner here. This is God saying, I'm coming Keep your sandals on. Keep your staff with you. Get ready because you may have to move fast. Pull up your pants. Let's go. This is not loosen the belt and relax after Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking about. And he says, and when I come, you need to be ready because after I come through, after I come through with death of the firstborn, and again, that's messy. You will all be released from slavery. You will be delivered from your yoke of bondage. Do you think there was anybody in the Israelite nation that thought, you know what, my house is right next door to Bill's. And Bill took care of his doorpost and lentil. A little bit splashed over on mine. We'll be good, honey. You think anybody did that? I don't, because I think there'd been a follow-up story to that. And the Bill family did not do it. Hence, they lost their firstborn. I mean, it would be there, I think. Maybe not, but I think weird things sometimes. He says, I'm, he tells us the same thing today. You can be delivered from your yoke of bondage. He says the same thing. I'm coming back. Get ready. As we continue to look at, at deliverance, I want you to be thinking about what God has delivered you from or through already. Some of you have an amazing story of deliverance. Maybe it was a physical deliverance or, or maybe it was, it, was, it was a sin that you were going through. But I have, I have a story from Jim Lovell. He's an astronaut and commander of the, the failed Apollo 13 mission to the moon. Um, he was asked one time if he'd ever faced genuine fear or hopelessness before that mission. And he responded by telling a story uh, in a series of events that happened one particular night as they had a mission over the Sea of Japan during World War II. The fighter jet that he was piloting had severely been crippled. His radar and his homing devices were both uh, just failed. So literally he was flying blind, and and you pilots in the room know what that's like. Uh, Hopefully you don't, but you've read about it. He, He turned on his map light to try and get his bearings, and when he turned on the map light, all of the lights and instrumentation in the whole cockpit shorted out. He said without his altimeter, he had no way of gauging how close he was to crashing into the darkness of the waters below. All he knew, he was flying over the sea. And just when he felt all hope was lost, he saw the faint 
phosphorescent glow of a long trail of algae. And we went on to explain that large ships churn up algae. And some of you probably know this, but I didn't. It churns, the large ship will churn up the algae in their wake as they cut through the ocean. And it gives off a little bit of a glow. He knew that his aircraft carrier had to be close. He said it was like a long carpet laid out for me, leading me home. He said had his lights not failed, he would have never been able to see the faint glow below. He wistfully recalls, you never know what events will transpire to get you home. You know, God sends us help, and sometimes it's from surprising sources. The psalmist David asked in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Have you ever looked up to the hills wondering where your help might come from? Listen, the way that God's deliverance might come is impossible to predict. You may be crying out and you may, be, you may have no idea. You're looking this way and deliverance comes from over here. Oh, I didn't see that coming. He can use surprising things like the lights shorting out in the cockpit of a plane at what seems like the worst possible moment. But while the means may vary, the source of our salvation is always the same. The psalmist gives us that source as he answers his own question in the following verse. He says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Say that with me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Say it like you really want to be delivered. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know, you never know what events will transpire to lead you home. But rest assured that God does. But it starts with you wanting to be delivered, with you wanting to get out of whatever it is you're trapped with. Psalm 48, 14 says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. And we need to remember also Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk or run or fly or plead on our knees through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. The thing about guiding is you have to follow. You can't be delivered if you're not going to follow him out of Israel, people. Or excuse me, if you're not going to follow him out of Egypt. <laughs> you know what I meant. You can't, you can't be delivered if you're not willing to follow the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You know, sometimes we get tricked into thinking that we don't need to be delivered. That's, that's what Satan does. Everything is going well. The job is good. The bills are paid. The family is moving along okay. No real issues. Man, look at how far we've come. Sometimes the success that we have will lull us into complacency. The shiny things that we've acquired will sometimes lull us into that place of complacency and away from God. A serious illness may just be below the surface and we don't even know it. You know, it happened to King David once. He began to trust in his own goodness and his own strength and his own success. And he began to live life as if he was in control as if all the great things that he had done were done by him alone. As if he were that reason that things were going so well. In Psalm 30, King David talks about a deliverance. And it's a deliverance that's brought on by God's judgment of David being stayed after he had sinned by numbering the people and trusting in the arm of man. 
Matter of fact, you can read about that in 1 Chronicles 21, 1 through 17. You can write that down and study it and really get a good idea. And you'll think, well, why would David do that? Why would you do that? Because that's the kind of stuff we do. We get caught up in our attaboys. Look at what I did. This deliverance. And let me, side note, few of us can really bear the type of prosperity that David had. I really believe that. When you read all the things he had, it's hard to be humble when you're that perfect in every way. (laughs) There's a song there. It really is. I mean, you know, when you look at all the things he had, all the things he acquired, all the nations, the, the different people, the kings he conquered, and all the stuff he did with his, his fighting men and all that, I, can, I feel sorry for David because he did dumb stuff, and so do I. Few of us can bear that type of prosperity. Sooner or later, we are tempted to believe that we're the cause of the victory. We are tempted to believe that we are the provider of our own peace. That we're the reason our church is growing so large or that our company is so successful or that our kids are so brilliant and smart. When in fact, God is the one who's in control. God is the reason. As we look at this psalm, it's Psalm 30. We find the need for humility and trust in the midst of victory and prosperity. I want to share with you some of those focal points as I talk about deliverance and celebrating uh, deliverance. Psalm 30 started with verses 1 through 3. I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. We need to understand a few things. In order to truly be able to celebrate deliverance, we need to understand that that's what our God specializes in. Our God specializes in deliverance. Ultimately, what David feared, and we see that in verse 1, one of the things that he feared most was the judgment of man. He says, you have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. What we should fear most is the judgment of God. It's funny that David had to get to this broken place of in over his head to fear the judgment of God. God actually, in that story, um, gives him three options of how he wants to be punished. They're all bad, I'll tell you that. David picks one, and in and, and going through it, that's, what he, that's when he writes this. Having said that, let me ask you this question. David fears the judgment of God or of men because they find fault in us. So the question is, can the world find fault in you? Yeah, when you leave this building... At your job, the people you work with, the the people you're around most, not counting your family, but the world, can they find fault in you, in your actions, in your lifestyle? Maybe in your speech. Maybe you're just a negative person when you're not here, smiling and singing praises to God. Maybe you're in gossip. Maybe you're just a harsh person. Maybe, you know, I don't know. But can can the world see these things in you? It's been said that the tongue is as volatile as it is vital. Maybe the deliverance you need is from your tongue. That seems to be something that gets all of us in trouble from time to time because the tongue is connected to anger and, you know, there's a song about that too, but maybe it's your tongue. 
Charles Swindoll, in his book, Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life, said this about the tongue. The tongue is a lethal, relentless, flaming missile which assaults with hellish power, blistering and destroying at will. And yet it doesn't look anything like the brutal beast it is. Neatly hidden behind ivory palace gates, its movements are intriguing, are an intriguing study of coordination. It can curl itself either into a cheery whistle or manipulate a lazy afternoon yawn. With no difficulty, it can flick a husk of popcorn from between your jaw or hold a thermometer just so. It is tricky. It can help you enjoy the flavor of a stick of peppermint as it switches from side to side without getting nipped. Moments later, it can follow the directions of a trumpeter, allowing him to play Flight of the Bumblebee without a single miscue. But watch out. Let your thumb get smashed with a hammer or your toe get clobbered on a chair. And that slippery creature in your mouth will suddenly play the flip side of its nature. What can the world say about your purity, your character, your integrity? What can the world say about your representation of Christ? And I kind of camped out on a tongue because that's really what a lot of it comes out of. The things that, that were witnessed up here on the stage, most of it ends up coming out of our mouth. What can the world say about your purity, your character, your integrity, your representation of Christ? But better yet, what can God say about those things? See, here's the good news. God stayed his judgment on David because he repented. He was inflicting it, and then he stayed it because he can do that because he's God. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. You brought me up from Sheol. You spread me from among those going down. You spared me from among those going down to the pit. Our God is a merciful God. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. He could have taken David's life. He could have taken our life. But our God is merciful. If we repent, God will turn our weeping into joy. And we will be able to party with Jesus as we celebrate a life of deliverance. I want to read verses 4 and 5. Sing to Yahweh, you, his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. God expects our songs of praise. Listen, when you need delivered, sing. Start praising. Start letting him know that you know where he is and you know who he is. He will deliver you from this. We should not have to be begged to sing, to worship, to put ourselves out there for God. Our life songs should be songs of thanks as well as praises to him. God's judgment is sure, but it's also short when we repent. Verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may spend the night, but there is joy in the morning. If you're struggling with something, if you were bound by something, And your fear is, well, when people find out, who cares about what people think? We need to care about what God thinks. And our God wants to heal. He wants to bring us out of that. We must repent and we must remember that pride and self-sufficiency are sure to lead us to a major letdown. Verse 6 and 7 says, when I was secure, I said I will never be shaken. You see that? That's secure. That's one of those words for look at what I did. I'm successful. You know who else was secure? Somebody that once said, Lord, I will never betray you. 
three times in one night. We, we get that false sense. But when I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. And when you hid your face, I was terrified. Our toughest times of, tra- of uh, temptations are when things are tranquil and, and peaceful, when things are going well, because we, we stand on that. Oh, look at me. When we think everything is okay, that's maybe when we need to worry. You know, sometimes, church, we're like the senior citizen who was driving down the freeway. His cell phone rings, and he answers it, and it's his wife's voice, and she's, she's terrified, but she's warning him. Herman, I just heard on the news there's some nut going the wrong way on the 280. Please be careful. Herman replied, it's not just one nut, it's hundreds of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes... We think we're going the right way. The reality is we need to be delivered. And sometimes we're so blinded by what we're into, we don't realize it. The reality is we need to be delivered. We must never take credit for what God has done in our lives. True repentance is necessary when we fail God. And only true repentance will bring true revival. The church, God's church, is a powerful church only when it's a penitent church. A comfortable, easy-minded church has no power to stir the world either to salvation or opposition. Leon Morris said that. Today, there'll be no closing thought or final dismissal. Um, we're going to do things a little different today. You've heard, you've heard the word of God. You've heard how he delivered Israel. You've, you've heard the power of the Passover. There are other stories in this word where he continues to deliver people from their situations and from their sins. I love the stories in the New Testament when Jesus heals someone or he forgives them of their sin and he says, go and sin no more. Or he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Maybe some of you are in the process of being delivered through something. And maybe, maybe it's first Passover messy and there's just stuff. And you need to get away from it. Or maybe God has delivered you through something, and, but you're allowing it to creep back into your life. One of the hardest things I ever did was to quit smoking. I quit smoking seven times. I'm just saying. It was halfway through my freshman year in Bible college when I finally quit smoking. By the way, you could have gotten kicked out for that, but I had people who were good mentors and, and professors that led me through that. It was tough. It kept creeping back in. I quit Creep back in. I'd quit. It creep back in. What's creeping into your life? What's creeping back in? Sometimes sin is like a diet. We lose 10 pounds, gain five. We walk away from something, something else creeps in. We got to be delivered. Today is a day about deliverance for us. Think it through. What's going to happen as we leave today? I'm asking everybody in this room to pause at these exits. And the back ones are just like the front ones. A little bit of Passover. Look to them. The band is going to play. Um, don't worry about singing. I want you to think about what it is you need to be delivered from. Spend a moment with God. And when you get to those doors, whether you leave out through these doors or the back doors, I've got you blocked in. You can't leave unless you stop at these doors. 
and spend a little time with God thanking him for delivering you or asking him, Lord, show me step one to get me away from this. Whatever is holding you back, whatever is separating you from him, let today be a Passover for you. They're going to play until the room is empty. If you need a moment, take it. But as you come to these exits, stop and pray. Pray your prayers of thanksgiving. Pray your prayers of of forgiveness for the people that you know you need to forgive. Deliverance is messy. You may owe some apologies to people. You may just need to tell some people you love them and you forgive them. Pray whatever it is you need to pray about your family, about your marriage, about your job, about your addiction. Whatever it is, God can and will deliver you from it. Where does my hope come from? Say it with me. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Listen, when you walk out these doors, when you stop and you talk to God a little bit, and when you say amen, go and sin no more. You leave whatever it is right here, and you let Jesus deal with it. Because we know he can and we know he will. Our Savior King Jesus has delivered us. We have to stop living like we're still captive. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. And when you're ready, you walk out these doors and be different than how you came in them. Father God, I pray that you just get us out of the way of ourselves. Lord, you know what each person in this room is captive by. What's keeping us down, what's separating us from you. And I pray today you will take these things away. I pray you will give each of us the strength to leave these things here. That we'll no longer find comfort in what's keeping us captive, but we will find comfort in being delivered. We'll find comfort and strength like we've never known. That we will start fresh walking out this door and saying, I will never be that way again. Lord, deliver us like you delivered your people Israel. I thank you for that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.